Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, great turnover. Holland, I think it was. <laughs> and Tava Tava Nawas, he's had enough. That'll do me, he says. And that is the game here in Dunedin. And the Highlanders have started on a positive. Right, well, Super Rugby is uh, underway with the first round uh, commencing on Friday night. And although the start of the nation's biggest sporting competition collided with a number of fixtures on the weekend, it has still caught the attention of fans across the country. And a familiar voice, yes, you just heard him there, uh, to all sporting fans across New Zealand, Grant Nisbet, captain of the rugby team, uh, is on deck for us this morning to have a look at round one. Nisbo, good morning to you. Long time, no talk. How are th- things? Yeah, very good, Smithy. Yes, it's good to have rugby back, isn't it? And uh, I must say, I've enjoyed you guys doing the cricket as well. It's been fantastic. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun, uh, Nisbo, and uh, hopefully that'll... Uh, Continue at the Basin this weekend. Boy, sell-out crowds uh, for the first four days. Haven't uh, seen a lot of that, although England did attract some attention, uh, I think, last year or the year before. Yeah, look, um, someone said to me the other day, you're going to the cricket. I said, I can't, I can't get in. Um, I suppose I could if I really wanted to, but um, mm. look, it's, um, there's a tremendous amount of interest around. I think it also shows, me the, uh, you know, the T20s are great and all the rest of it, but I guess I'm a traditionalist, mate, and, um, you know, you can't beat a test match. No, you can't beat a test match, this way. you're dead right, and uh, I'm uh, looking forward to that uh, a hell of a lot, it's got to be said. Chiefs 33, uh, Crusaders 29, I think Chiefs were favourites going into it. Uh, but the second half performance from the Crusaders probably was encouraging and, and not a bad start either as a spectacle. Yeah, very good spectacle, actually. I enjoyed it as a game. And, uh, you know, uh, I went to a bit of a briefing at um, uh, at Sky last week and the referees uh, were there. Ben O'Keefe was there telling us uh, exactly what, um, you know, they were hoping to do. And, and that was speed the game up even more. Um, you know, I think as a spectacle... It was it was terrific. There wasn't a lot of wasted time, and uh, we got we got a spectacle. We saw a Chiefs team that started well. They led uh, at halftime by quite a considerable margin, but I think those of us who've been around a while probably thought, well, that's fine, but we know the Crusaders will come back, and sure enough, they did come back to a point where it looked like they were going to win the game until a couple of late penalties for the Chiefs got them home. So. Look, I know the Chiefs will be delighted to have won. I don't think the Crusaders will be too disappointed, though, Smithy. They've lost their opening game in a number of campaigns over the years and still mm. kicked on and won the title. So, look, I wouldn't be too despondent if I was a Crusaders fan. I thought their comeback was was terrific. And uh, the Chiefs are going to be hard to beat this season, particularly at home. So I think the Crusaders will take a fair bit out of that. 
So, okay, uh, we look at playmakers when we look at the uh, Crusaders. They've had a great one for the last almost decade now in uh, Richie Moonga. But uh, how did the, the young fellow go, Rivas Rohana, and uh, up against up against Damien McKenzie? How did you see that? Oh, I thought he was pretty good, actually. Um, you know, it will take a while to bed down. I mean, you don't suddenly put the number 10 jersey on and expect to be, um, you know, full throttle 100%. Uh, there are a number of uh, first drives around this competition who we'll be keeping an eye on, that's for sure, and he's certainly one of them. Very promising young player, and I think once the Crusaders machine starts to roll and the forwards start to show a bit of dominance and they start to roll forward, it'll make his life a lot easier. But like, I, I thought he was pretty good. Mackenzie was excellent, as we expected him to be. I guess there's some concern about his injury issue too, whether in fact that's long-term or short-term, but he certainly didn't look comfortable um, lasting about 43 or 44 minutes, although the crew, at least the, uh, the the Chiefs do have in Joshua Arnie a very good backup and possibly Caleb Trask as well, so they're not in too bad a shape. So yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was a good even contest there. Highlanders 35, Moana Pacifica 21. You saw that one uh, at a very close range. So what did you make of that performance? Yeah, look, I enjoyed the game. Um, and I think there was a marked improvement in Moana. And, um, you know, they won one game last year. And really, I suppose, overall, you'd have to say a wee bit disappointing in their first couple of years in the competition. But I saw a marked difference. And it may revolve around fitness. Um, you know, they've lost a couple of key players. They lost Levi Omua to the Crusaders, and they lost, uh, lost Tava Tava Naiwai to the Highlanders. So two guys who really played well for them in the first couple of years suddenly aren't there anymore, but it didn't seem to impede their performance. I thought they played really well. Lead at halftime, and there were, I guess, some nervous Highlanders supporters around thinking, surely not. But um, the Highlanders kicked on in the second half, scored some cracking tries, and uh, I think the Highlanders will only improve on that performance. I think probably Moana will as well, but I think the Highlanders might be in for a fair season, particularly at home, and I think you can see the influence uh, behind the scenes of uh, Jamie Joseph. He was kind of lurking in the background, if you like. Uh, So Clark Dermody has got some very good backup there, and you know, a couple of uh, new signings. Um, obviously, I mentioned Tava Tava Naiwai, but uh, Jacob um, Ratu Maitu Vuki Neepkins, which is a nightmare for commentators, Smithy. Um, mm-hmm. He was fantastic at 15. He was, absolutely, getting a, a, an early double as well there. So uh, that was that's good performance. Uh, we're speaking of um, new look and, and uh, new selections, etc. we're talking about new coaches here. And there's another one uh, in action, of course, uh, over there in Perth. Uh, for your Hurricanes, Clark Laidlaw, and that was a game I thought might be a little bit dangerous, but the score on reflects it, it simply wasn't. Yeah, they played well. They played well in very difficult conditions. I, um, I suspect the temperatures were, were very high over there, and uh, that's not easy. Um, even though we've sort of been training, or the teams have been training in our summer, if you like, but uh, they looked they looked to be um, pretty tough conditions to play on, but it was a a very good performance by the Hurricanes. And, of course, everybody was saying, well, any team that loses, the likes of Dane Coles and Adi Sabia, how are you going to recover from that? But they do appear to have quite a bit of depth. They uh, they weren't too bad in the, in the pre-season. They went down to the Highlanders, but they didn't take most of their good players down there, and they got a bit of a toweling. 
But, um, look, I think they'll be delighted with that. They're away from home again like everybody this week in Melbourne and they don't play a home game until a third week in the competition. But I think they're kind of flying under the radar a wee bit. You know, when people are talking about who do you think will win this competition, most, most are saying, you know, Chiefs, Crusaders, Blues. I think the Hurricanes just flying under the radar a wee, a wee bit. And as I said before, they've got some decent depth in that squad. Well, I had to deal with uh, deal to uh, the force, of course, without their uh, newly appointed captain as well, and Brad Shields. So leadership uh, responsibilities were shared between uh, Geordie Barrett and another player who I think is having a crunch season this year, and that's Asafa Omua. Yes, exactly. Well, with Cody Taylor out of action for most of Super Rugby and no Dane Coles around, there's, there's a real opening there in the All Blacks. And, you know, Omua's already had a test uh, or, or had a taste of Test Rugby. And so he must be uh, very much in consideration uh, early in the season uh, for, for a Test berth. And he looks like he's fit, ready to go. He's been around long enough now to, to be able to assume leadership roles. And, yes, I, I think you're right. I think he, he took over. And another guy who's showing good leadership qualities too is Duplessis Karifi, another bloke who um, flew to Australia in, about, I think, 2020, didn't get on the park, but he was in the all-black consideration. And with Sam Kane um, coming back, but, you know, not having played super rugby, who knows who might end up at that number seven jersey for the all-blacks this season. Uh, it's very, very interesting, uh, Nisbo, uh, I must say. Also, uh, we keep talking about new coaches, uh, four of them this time around, uh, and five if you count Tana, I guess. Uh, Vern Cotter for the Blues, who's enlisted the help, too, of Tony Brown for the early part of the season. Uh, and in front of a pretty encouraging crowd too in Whangarei over the draw of 34 to 10. Yeah, look, I saw most of that. I was sort of getting ready to go in Dunedin, so I didn't really uh, see it from uh, one minute to 80 minutes, but uh, I saw bits of it. And once again, I think the Blues uh, played very well. And uh, they're another side that, you know, promised a lot over the years, but haven't quite kicked on. Maybe with Vern Cotter there, uh, who's very much an old-style coach. He's been around the traps, Vern, played for Bay Plenty, as we all know, uh, had a long stint in France and did really well on the provincial scene there, had a shot with Scotland and did okay there as well. So he's, uh, he's been around the coaching traps for a long time and he'll bring a slightly different perspective, I suspect, uh, to, this, um, to this Blues team and it'll be a no-nonsense approach. They'll be fit. And if things don't go right, they'll know about it. And so um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they progress under Vern Cotter. Let's uh, look briefly at Australia because, uh, after all, they are very much part of the competition. The Brumbies, uh, 30-3. to 3. Now, these are two sides, uh, certainly the Rebels who are in administration at the moment. Um, I, I just wonder, the Brumbies, there's speculation about the Brumbies' future going forward and with a reshaping of Australian rugby too, but the Brumbies under Larkham, way too strong once again. Yeah, look, there'll always be a Brumbies. It's a question of where they'll be. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation about where they, should, uh, where they should finish up. I mean, they've been in Canberra right from day one. And uh, I think the Brumbies was actually set up uh, disaffected from New South Wales who didn't feel like they were wanted uh, just headed down the road to Canberra and formed the Brumbies who have by far been the most successful franchise in Australian Super Rugby history no doubt about that well, they've won a few titles and they continue to set the standard and what I saw on uh, I think it was Friday night 
they look to me as though they're going to set the standard again in 2024. They were ruthless against a, a Rebels team, which you kind of wonder whether they're playing on, on eight cylinders because, you know, the, there's the, uh, the, the, there's the um, hanging over them, the, the thought that they may not even be there next year. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty tough season for the Melbourne Rebels. I really do. But, I, you know, I was really impressed with the Brumbies. And I was really impressed too with the Reds and their win over the yeah. Waratahs. Uh, they had they had obviously a, a number of years under Brad Thorne. They played well on occasions. Now they've got Les Kiss, who of course was a bit of a rugby league legend in his time, but he's been in rugby for a long time, mainly as a defensive coach in various uh, franchises. But they look to be really, really well drilled. They've got some excellent players and they could be a team to beat in this competition, the Reds. So, Nisbo, you mentioned uh, the meeting at Sky with Ben O'Keefe. Overall, uh, with the rugby that you saw and called over the weekend, did, would you say they achieved their goal of, of speeding the game up, getting the game with the ball more in play throughout the 80-minute period? Yeah, and we didn't have a lot of TMO um, uh, discussions either, did we? I, I can't remember too many that dragged on, if any. Um, and that was a real bugbear, and that came out of the World Cup. I think everybody felt the same way, that the TMO was just playing too big a part and slowing the game down and uh, and being pedantic and all the rest of it. And that was another thing. They're, they're hoping that the referee on the field can make the decisions, and if he's a little bit unsure, then uh, maybe you refer it upstairs. But, you know, the referee's always been the sole judge in the game, and that kind of went away from that a wee bit last year, and I think they probably were determined to get back to that and keep the game moving. And, of course... Um, the interpretation of, of the new, well it's not really a new law it's um, a re-evaluation of the law where one team kicking and the forwards just standing in the middle sort of watching a game of ping pong um, that opened up a few gaps uh, for sure and I think we probably saw that with that burst by Damien McKenzie in uh, the mm. Chiefs Crusaders game where it opened up some more gaps so look I think they did, I think the refereeing generally over the whole weekend Smithy was excellent one thing that has come out of it, Nisbo, and this is new to me, I've got to say, is this new mouth guard, this, the trialling of this new mouth guard, and of course the reaction to it, with players being asked to leave the field for examination when they were unaware, really, of the reason why. That's the, the way I read it. Now, I, I'm, I'm all behind uh, the welfare of the players, but at some point, the welfare of the players and the good of the game as we know the game or want to know the game, it's got to join hands at some point. What, how did you read this mouth guard thing, particularly from Scott Barrett? Yeah, yeah. well, he was obviously frustrated and so was Anton Leonard-Brown, that's for sure. Um, without wanting to be a smart-ass, I think there's some teething problems around this. Um, ah. and, it's probably, <laughs> and it's probably technical. I think the, I think the idea is fantastic. Um, I'm actually enjoying seeing players having to wear mouth cards. I mean, it, it's supposedly been uh, something that they've had to do over the years, but so many of them didn't even bother. But now they kind of have to, really. Um, and you can see what they're trying to do. I mean, obviously, uh, injuries uh, have been a major talking point over the last four or five years, particularly in the head area. And uh, it needed to be addressed. And World Rugby has actually been quite proactive here. It's not like World Rugby to be proactive in... In, uh, in general, but in this area, they have been extremely proactive, and the idea sounds good. It, it's, uh, it was a technical issue. I think 
I don't know after Friday night whether there were any such problems. Certainly nothing really occurred in the game that I did down in Dunedin. Um, but they've got to get it right, absolutely got to get it right, because, I mean, Anton Leonard-Brown being asked to leave the field with five minutes to go when the match is very much in the balance, that could have tipped it. And, uh, and so the really, they've really got to, if, if you're going to take him off, make a quick assessment and get him back on again, none of the sort of fiddling around and, uh, and trying to do the medium Sudoku to see whether you fit or not. Um, you know, you've really <laughs> just got to get on with it. So, look, I think the idea is good. But as I said before, it's just got a few little kinks at the moment, and hopefully they sort them out quickly. Now, that's interesting because I know you like um, your Paniki Club, and every now and then you get the opportunity to go along to Kilburnie Park or wherever and, and watch them. We're actually watching, with the introduction now to community rugby, of a different tackling style, and that is uh, around the belly, uh, and then, of course, the sternum as such. Different pushing laws and scrums, etc. Uh, I... I you're sort of watching two different games of rugby almost. Yeah, yeah you are, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, you watch the Six Nations, which I generally do, and I've, you know, I, I keep a close eye on how that game is played, and you compare that to mm. Super Rugby, and again, um, you know, if you get a red card in the Six Nations, you're gone and that's it. Your team is penalised for whatever time uh, the, the, the red card occurs, and whereas we do it slightly differently, and I think we've got it right here, you do it for 20 minutes. Um, and it will be interesting to see what comes out of this big meeting which is taking place, I think, this week in the north. Mark Robinson's gone up there uh, armed with a lot of good ideas. Whether he can get them through uh, remains to be seen. You, you've got to be a little bit doubtful because they don't like change up north and they don't like uh, necessarily the way we play the game down here either, which is disappointing. But, um, you know, we're trying to attract fans to the game in the Six Nations, people turn up regardless, I think. So it's a slightly different uh, mindset. But, um, you know, we're trying to attract a, in, a, in a pretty heavy sort of a market when there are a lot of different sports for people to absorb, trying to keep the game attractive. And so it is a, it's a very interesting situation. And um, I'll, be, I'll be absolutely uh, uh, locked into what's happening up north and in the, in the discussions they're having in the, in the next week or two. Okay, and this both, thank you very much. Uh, listen, in all honesty and in all seriousness, if you do need to get into the Basin Reserve, uh, you know, you can give me a bang on the pipes and we'll sort something out there and you might even be able to sit in the Holy of Holies in the radio box. It's just take you back. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a wonderful invitation, mate, and I, might, and I might just take you up. If I don't, I'll see you at the Cambridge. Yeah, absolutely. Looks like a, maybe a Thursday or Friday appointment there as well, mate. So, yeah, we've got a bit of catching up to do. Thanks for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it. And uh, thanks for uh, uh, running your thumb over uh, round one of Super Rugby. Thank you. Cheers. Good on you, Smithy. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Grant Nisbet there with us, folks. Uh, I always feel safe when I hear Nisbo talking about rugby, and I feel like it's the rugby season again, which uh, it is. Um, Nisbet and Marshall together in Dunedin uh, over the weekend. Justin Marshall, I think, from what we talked about the other day, may well be playing in the PGA with uh, Israel Dagg this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Baz won't be there. Baz has got uh, problems, hasn't he? His uh, English side are uh, getting rock and rolled by India in this test match at Ranchi, so Baz won't be there. Uh, he's got other business to attend to, and, uh, yeah, so they'll, they'll miss Baz on that front. And Ian Botham, just learning that Ian Botham, the only player on the whole course, a label, and able to wear or, or to travel in a cart. I've seen Beefy actually lately. They all knees aren't too good. They're not too good. 
The wrist's good. He can still get that red wine up there, but his, his knees just aren't what they used to be. It is 10.21. We'll be back shortly.